It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Coming to you live from an undisclosed location in upstate New York. It is time for another exciting edition of the GBI show. That's right. It's Gridiron Betting Insights here from ATS. Jay Sannon, your host, here to bring you a preview of week 11 of the NFL season from a betting perspective. We'll talk about all 15 games on the schedule. We'll break down the numbers, some of the narrative stuff you should think about before you place your bets this weekend. If you haven't already, on a show where everything you hear comes from me. No uh, sketchy resources, no stealing of ideas or picks or anything like that. What you see is what you get, and what you get is entirely from this guy, for better or worse. And, you know, in the case of the NFL, that's usually sometimes for the worse. And that's just kind of how it goes. But you can rest assured that as a man of integrity, it is all coming from me. You can trust and believe that. So week 11 of the NFL season, we're going to talk Thursday Night Football here in just a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, the rest of the slate here in week 11. But before we do that, we want to thank the folks at Caesar Sportsbook. Of course, Caesar Sportsbook, the proud sponsor of the GBI show. Go to Caesar Sportsbook, sign up with the promo code GBI bonus. It's right down at the bottom of your screen. GBI bonus. Get a match bet on your first wager worth up to $1,001. So you go to Caesar's, Use the promo code, bet up to $1,001 on your first bet. Win or lose, they'll give you free bets up to that amount. And then, of course, you win your bet, you get your profits, all that fun stuff over at Caesar Sportsbook. Check it out. And, of course, don't forget to download the ATS app, the ATS app, all the information you need as a sports better to be successful, all the stats, the trends, all that fun stuff, not to mention you can track your bets. There's contests, things like that, available on the App Store, Google Play, wherever you get your mobile apps. So let's focus now, week 11 of the NFL season, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to start with Thursday Night Football. Patriots, Falcons, Patriots, six and a half point favorites over Atlanta. Total around 47, and it's a game that looks a little bit too easy, right? You have a rematch of that very memorable Super Bowl, 28-3. to The Patriots come all the way back, all the missteps for the Falcons, letting them back into that game. They win it in overtime. Tom Brady, everybody uh, says very nice things about him. It makes me, as a uh, New Yorker, very upset. But since then, of course, you know, these franchises continue to go in their separate directions. The Falcons just completely fall off a cliff. Kyle Shanahan leaves. They fire the coach. Everything goes terrible. The Patriots, I mean, they stay the way they are. They had a rough year last year, but they appear to be back now. And the reason they appear to be back now is that things are going swimmingly with Mac Jones as their rookie quarterback, right? Last week, the Patriots demolished the Cleveland Browns. And that was a game that we said, you know, I think that the Patriots would be the way to go with a tight point spread, 45-7. to I mean, blew them off the field. On the other side, you had the Atlanta Falcons get demolished by the Dallas Cowboys. That was a game they lost by 40. It was a game that TJ Calkins and I on the ATS YouTube channel, we talked about, we thought it was a get-right spot for the Cowboys. It turned out to be exactly that. I said I didn't hate the over as well, thinking that if Atlanta could kick in somewhere around 14, 17 points, 
we would easily get over the total. It turns out I was right in that if they scored 14 to 17, total would have gotten there pretty easily. The problem was, well, they only scored three points. They got nowhere near the amount that we needed for that over. So I guess, you know, I'd split the pair on that game, but the logic still stood. This game, I think, goes a little bit differently. However, the numbers, of course, favor the New England Patriots coming into this game, right? The Patriots fourth in the league in yards per play allowed this season. Atlanta 22nd in the league in that regard. New England not super impressive on the offensive side of the ball statistically, but it should be pointed out they've been a lot better in that regard over the last few weeks, and that is certainly to their credit. It speaks to the development of Mac Jones. He's turned the ball over less. He's continuing to not ruin the game for the Patriots, which is really all you need for a team coached by Bill Belichick. Now, there are some injury concerns on the defensive side of the ball that I do think make an impact in this game. Jamie Collins, Josh Uche, both on injured reserve for the Patriots. I think that could be a problem. You do have Hayden Hurst out for the Falcons. Cordell Patterson, uh, he was a game-time decision. We're We're about there. I thought I had seen that he was out in the moments leading up to this week's GBI show. But I uh, I do not have that 100% as the news is kind of coming in as we get started here on the program. Uh, the question in this game really is how do both of these teams respond to their respective blowouts? Positive result for the Patriots last week. On the other side for the Falcons, certainly not so much. And I think it's a game where, you know, we're starting to see maybe the Mac Jones Patriots maybe a little overvalued in the market, right? I mean, you're asking a rookie quarterback making his first start on Thursday Night Football, first short week of his career, play on the road against the Falcons team that, yeah, they're not great, but they haven't been horrible this season either, right? They're a game below 500. They've had a lot of really tight games that they've won. I think it's a game where it's a little different than last week's Thursday Night Football, where you would be shocked if the Dolphins beat the Ravens and they ended up doing so, right? This game, I don't know if I would be shocked if the Atlanta Falcons came out and won a tight game against a rookie quarterback on the road short week for the first time in his career. Of course, in order to play that bet, you would have to take the Falcons, who are, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. Let's not overlook that fact. Against a Bill Belichick coach team, I don't know that I necessarily love that idea either. Uh, for me, it's a game that you know I'm kind of happy to lay off of. I don't think it's there's a lot of value either way, especially at the current number. I mean, if you got the Falcons at the key number of seven, or if you still can do that without having to buy the half a point, I don't hate that idea. I'd say that's probably the best way to go. But if that number is gone, it appears to have long since gone. Um, you know, I really don't like the idea of going either side in this game. Um, you know, maybe something to be said for the under here, but uh, Thursday night football totals, not great over the course of this season. Something I'm happy to stay away from. I think it's an, I think it's a more interesting game than we expect. I think a lot of people certainly expecting the Patriots to blow out the Falcons, just given the vast cultural gap between these two teams. But I do think that this game could very well be a lot closer than we expect. I mean, I think somewhere in the, you know, kind of four to 10 point margin for the Patriots is where you would expect. I think it could fall right around that key number of seven. So it's a stay away from me, but I am excited to watch it here tonight. I am not excited to see all of the flashbacks that we see 
during the course of the game. You know, all the little clips from that Super Bowl between the Falcons and uh, the Patriots. I had a couple of Patriots fans at my Super Bowl party that year. And, uh, boy, they were insufferable afterwards. They were quiet for the first half, though. That was nice. You know, most of the most Super Bowls the Patriots are in, our Patriot fans' friends are annoying the whole way. This time, at least I got a half of uh, peace and quiet from them. But uh, not looking forward to those flashbacks throughout this game. Let's go to the Sunday slate now in the NFL Week 11 here on the GBI Show. That, of course, being gridiron betting insights. Now let's talk about the New Orleans Saints taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints, one-and-a-half-point dogs coming into this game, total 43. And this is one of those games where the Saints probably favored if Jameis Winston was healthy or if they had some semblance of kind of a good starting quarterback. That's not the case, right? Trevor Simeon, he hasn't looked horrible so far, right? He did help the Saints get across the finish line against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Winston did go down with his injury. And they were competitive last week against the Tennessee Titans, right? We're not we're not discounting that from Trevor Simeon, but you still don't love the idea of backing the Saints on the road here. Alvin Kamara's health still a question mark. And, you know, both of these teams pretty even in terms of their defensive statistical outputs, tied for 11th in the league in yards per play allowed. But I think that with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, you need a fully healthy Alvin Kamara to justify backing them right now. And if you don't have that, I do not like the idea of taking them. The Eagles, they were not as good, I feel like, as the final score showed against the Denver Broncos uh, last week, right? You had that weird play where, you know, fourth and short, Denver looking to go down the field, and, you know, there was a fumble by Melvin Gordon. Darius Slay picks it up. He drops the ball. He picks it up again. And everybody on the Broncos just kind of decided to stop playing. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater made what was widely called a business decision to pull up and not try and tackle Slay. But then, like, two frames later in that video, you see a guy step in front of Bridgewater and just get clobbered by a blocker on the Eagles. So I don't, I, I don't fault Bridgewater for that. I would like to just go on record as saying that. Everybody really ripped Teddy Bridgewater for that. That would have been him getting crushed if he had taken another step. So let's take it easy with that. But I don't think that the Eagles were quite as good as the final score last week indicated. Of course, Devontae Smith getting into the end zone a couple of times. Of course, the Eagles don't deserve Devontae Smith. They threw week 17 last year against the Washington football team in order to get him. Hashtag locked them up. But it's a game where... I would lean the Eagles if I had to go in either direction. But for me, it's, uh, you know, you have all the quarterback issues and the injury issues with Kamara for the Saints. They make them kind of unplayable at this point in time. But I don't like the idea of playing the Eagles off of a win either. I think that they might be a little bit overvalued based off of the big final number that we saw last week, even though factually that was a closer game throughout the majority of the contest uh, than might have been. Uh, what we saw at the very end of the game, right? I mean, that was a tight game throughout until things really went off the rails for the Broncos. I don't think we should give the Eagles too much credit for that. I would lean slightly toward the Eagles being at home against a banged-up Saints team offensively right now, but I'm not super enthusiastic about either side, to be completely honest. Now, let's move to the AFC East, and this is kind of a sad matchup, right? This is the bottom of the barrel, in the AFC East. You got the Dolphins and the Jets. Dolphins, three and a half point favorites. 
total 44 and a half. Of course, last week, the Dolphins beating the Baltimore Ravens to their credit on Thursday Night Football, something we did not expect coming into that game. We said going into that game, the only path for the Ravens was going to, I'm sorry, the only path for the Dolphins was going to be if the Ravens made a bunch of mistakes. And uh, it turns out that's kind of exactly what happened. Lo and behold, uh, they did give the Dolphins that path. And the Dolphins, hey, they took advantage to their everlasting credit. The Jets, meanwhile, were destroyed by the Buffalo Bills. Mike White threw, I believe, four interceptions. It was ugly for Mike White after he had gotten a lot of praise for his performances early during his little reign here. And uh, that's going to be it, I guess, for Mike White as the starting quarterback of the New York Jets, as it looks like Joe Flacco is going to take over at that spot for New York. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, he is questionable going into this game. Of course, he stepped in last week. They started Jacoby Brissett. It was not going well. They brought in Tua. Things did go a little bit better for the Dolphins offensively, but it was the defense that really made the difference in that game for Miami. And it kind of makes sense, right? The defense is going to have to make the, def- the difference for the Miami Dolphins this season. Uh, they are tied for the second-worst mark in the NFL in yards per play offensively. So, yeah, if they're going to win, it is going to have to be with the defense. The Jets, by the way, kind of the opposite, right? Not making a difference with their defense. They're dead last in the NFL in yards per play allowed this season. I, I mean, the question in this game, it's going to come down to what does Joe Flacco look like? Not having really played NFL football in quite some time, um, I don't think it's going to be pretty against a decent a decent defensive team in the Dolphins. Um, you know, they're, the thought is they're starting Flacco because of some of the pressure that the Dolphins like to bring on the defensive side. I don't think that's going to go particularly well. Um, but at the same time, you know, laying points on the road with this anemic Miami offense, again, it's a game I'm happy to stay away from. I know these are, like, very disappointing to hear, right? You hear me talk about these games, give you these statistics, break it down. And then I'm like, ah, it sounds awful to bet on. Well, I mean, you know, in the NFL, a lot of the games are. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? You're talking about a super volatile sport as it is. And then you're going to say, oh, I need to force myself to lay three and a half points with the Miami Dolphins. Guys, you're going to live through a lot of NFL seasons. You don't need to force it. And this is one where I just don't think there is any reason to force a play on one side or the other. I think this could very well be the ugliest game of the week in the NFL. Of course, the Dolphins, you know, they beat the Texans. Now they beat the Ravens, right? They had gone on a really long losing streak. Now all of a sudden, can they win three in a row? The NFL, uh, just crazy from a prediction standpoint throughout the course of each year. And this game, I think, is good proof of that. Uh, the Jets, by the way, they're a team that's beaten the Titans and the Bengals at home this season. So, you know, you get too comfortable. Oh, they looked so bad last week. Well, they've looked bad a lot of weeks. And then they've come right back and beaten up on some really good teams in their home field, you know, in their home building. I think that, uh, you know, don't count out the Jets. But again, no thank you on backing either of these teams at this point in time. Uh, a game that I do think is a little bit better from a wagering perspective, the Washington football team taking on the Carolina Panthers. Total 43 in the game. The football team, a three-point underdog, and I lean toward the Carolina Panthers in this game. I do. Um, it may sound a little weird based on the fact that the football team looks so good 
last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they were close to a double-digit underdog. They ended up winning by 10. But uh, Carolina, you know, I think that they found something here with this P.J. Walker slash Cam Newton combination at quarterback. I know the goal is to get Cam Newton starting as soon as possible. We'll see if that happens this week. But I think that regardless of who you put at the quarterback position in Carolina, as long as it's not Sam Darnold, I think that it is an upgrade. P.J. Walker, of course, I'm very high on him based on the way he played in the XFL. And by the way, he doesn't lose games when he does play for the Carolina Panthers. I remember he beat Detroit last season in spot duty. He did a nice job against Arizona. He didn't light it up statistically, but he did fine. He didn't, again, he didn't ruin the game for the Carolina Panthers, and that's really all you can ask. Um, you know, this is a game where the Panthers, their strength is defensively, right? They are abysmal offensively, tied for the second worst offense in the league in terms of their yards per play gained. But on defense, they are second in the league in yards per play allowed. They are shutting teams down, at least relatively speaking. And their offense, you know, if it does well enough to get them by, then so be it. Uh, Washington bad in both of those categories. Washington also the worst team in the NFL in and against the spread capacity, two and seven against the spread. Um, and, you know, and that's with the big win outright over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you know, the defense for the football team overperformed last week. This week, Montez Sweat, he's on injured reserve. Chase Young on injured reserve as well. You don't have a guy like Kerrigan out there with them to hold down the fort while they're gone. I don't think they're going to get a lot of pressure on these Carolina quarterbacks who are going to be better than Sam Darnold. I would lean heavily toward the Carolina Panthers in this matchup. Uh, Washington, they do have a Monday night football game against Seattle next week, whereas the Panthers, they have a game that you know they aren't going to be caught in any kind of look-ahead situation with next week when they face the Miami Dolphins. I think the Carolina Panthers, one of the better plays on the board here. You get them at three based on the fact that Washington played so well last week. But injuries to that defense and that pass rush, I think, are going to make a difference in this game against a team in Carolina that I think will be trending upward offensively now that Sam Darnold is not the guy. Next up, we're going to go back to the AFC, and we are going to focus on a rematch of a game that was played in the wild card round of last year's postseason. I am talking about the Indianapolis Colts, seven-point underdogs taking on the Buffalo Bills, total 49-and-a-half. Last week, the Colts beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not much of an accomplishment, but they did have to hold on pretty late in that game. The Bills, they beat up on the New York Jets. And it's a game where I think we see a repeat performance of what we got last year, right? The Bills won that game pretty comfortably last season in the wild card round. I think we see the same thing here again. And I think a big reason for that is kind of the same as last year, right? The Bills, a solid defensive team, capable of stopping the run, and they're going to force Carson Wentz to beat them in passing downs. And when you get Carson Wentz in situations where he has to throw the ball and there's no real mystery about it, that's not a great thing for the Indianapolis Colts, right? Jonathan Taylor has been crushing it this year for Indianapolis, but I do think that this is a game against the Bills defense that is number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed, I don't think they're going to have that same kind of success with Taylor. That's going to shift way too much of the burden offensively 
onto Wentz. And I do not think that is a good situation for anybody there in Indianapolis. I think that we see Buffalo, you know, they kind of had their uh, their stumble against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got right against uh, the Jets last week. I think that we see them continue to play well. Uh, Starla Tulele being out, a minor concern for the Bills in this game. But uh, I would lean toward Buffalo in this contest. Uh, they've been dominant at home this season since week one, right? You had that week one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers where there was a block punt that was returned for a touchdown by Pittsburgh, really swung the game in the Steelers' favor. Uh, since then, you've had Buffalo beat up on the football team. They beat up on the Texans and the Dolphins at home. Not the greatest competition, but I think that the Colts are not exactly a top-tier team in their own right. I think that the Bills continue to hold serve at home and getting them at a one-touchdown price, the numbers do suggest that that would be the best way to go with that matchup. Now let's talk about the winless Detroit Lions. And I say the winless Detroit Lions because, well, they don't have a win. But they do have a tie. They tied the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. They will look to ride the wave of momentum that only a tie can generate as they take on the Cleveland Browns. The Lions 11-point underdogs going into Cleveland, 43.5. Uh, the Browns last week, they managed to look worse than the Detroit Lions when they were demolished by the New England Patriots. And, you know, before you can get into any of the betting stuff with this game, you got to ask, what's the quarterback situation looking like for the Lions? Jared Goff questionable with like an oblique issue. And, I mean, you know, the Lions not impressive with him. Fifth worst in the league in yards per play for and against this season. How bad could it get without Jared Goff is the question. Uh, you know, we don't know whether or not he's going to play. So that still does remain to be seen. And, I, you know, the question, if you're the Lions right now, do you even want him to play? Uh, you know, would you rather just kind of see what you have elsewhere in the roster? Because if you think Jared Goff is going to be the guy after a few successful drafts that's going to take you to the promised land, I just I don't think that's anywhere close to the case. He just has not been good in any capacity, and you might have a situation where it might be better to just kind of cut bait, but we'll see what happens with all of that. To me, the game not really bettable until you know what the quarterback situation is like for the Lions because, I mean, it could very well get worse. And, you know, if you take the 11 with the Lions and they say, okay, we're going to start David Blau, you know, that would that could potentially get ugly for you. Um a lot of injury concerns for the Browns as well. You know, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Peoples-Jones, all questionable for this game. Um, you know, nothing super alert in terms of uh, whether or not they'll actually sit out. But it's one of those games where there's a lot of concerns on both sides. I don't know that I'd feel super comfortable laying double figures in this, in this game. I also don't have any reason to want to take the 11 with the Lions, knowing that they could very well be a bigger underdog uh, toward kickoff, depending on what happens with their quarterback situation. By the way, uh, you know, everybody was dumping on that Lions-Steelers game. Oh, what an ugly game. Oh, 16-16. Both the quarterbacks terrible. And yeah, I mean, you know, objectively speaking, yes, that's pretty true. But give me a 16-16 terrible football game that goes to a tie over a blowout in the NFL any day. And there's nothing worse to me than an NFL blowout. Give me the competitive game that might not have the best quality of play over the 
you know, 43 to three or whatever it was between the Cowboys and the Falcons any day. Uh, that is just a personal preference. But uh, yeah, no play for me on what should be a pretty ugly game both ways. It could just be a game where, let's face it, Cleveland just kind of runs the ball, saying that, you know, we have no real reason to uh, press our luck in this game, right? It's a game where, you know, we know that we are going to win and uh, we don't really have to go too hard in order to get there. Could be a game where they just keep it on the ground. Either way, no thank you, to say the least. Next up, Niners-Jaguars. San Francisco, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Total 45. And tell you what, the Niners looked real impressive last week against the L.A. Rams. They beat them on Monday Night Football. They locked down that L.A. offense. Jaguars got beaten by the Colts, but they did look respectable in that game. And, you know, it's one of those games where I think that the Niners are really rounding into form here. Um, and it's a big chance for them, right, this game, because you've got some injury situations in Los Angeles. You just beat the Rams. And you know that one of the teams in that Cardinals-Seahawks matchup in your division, they just, I mean, they have to lose by default or a tie. Either way, it kind of benefits you in that game, the Rams not playing this week. So, you know, you're going to gain some ground if you win this game on somebody. The question is who. So a huge opportunity for the Niners here. And Jaqueski Tart set to return from injured reserve here this week. We'll see if he actually makes it onto the field. Uh, Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell are questionable for the game. That is worth noting. Um, you know, the Niners, they're tied for fourth in the NFL in yards per play this season. An offense that you don't necessarily uh, associate with being explosive, right? You don't really put them up there with teams like the Rams and the Dallas Cowboys, but they have been really productive with their offense. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where they just they give you a lot of variety, right? They give you a lot of misdirection. Debo Samuel will carry the ball on you and make big plays. They're a team that can hurt you in a lot of ways, and – you know, the Jaguars at home in this game, but I don't know how much fight Jacksonville really has left in them. Um, you know, it's a game where under the key number of seven, the numbers indicate that San Francisco is the better play here. Um, I don't know that I'm particularly enthused about them, but I would lean toward the Niners very slightly in this game, just based off of how well they've been playing, the fact that they're getting healthier, they are really rounding into form looking like a team that could make a real playoff push here in the NFC in the second half of the season. A team that will not be making a playoff push, on the other hand, the Houston Texans. They are 10-point underdogs, taking on the surging Tennessee Titans. There is not a hotter team in the NFL right now than the Tennessee Titans. Total in this game, by the way, 44-and-a-half. Texans are coming off of the bye. Uh, the Titans, of course, coming off of that narrow win over the New Orleans Saints last week. And you look at the Texans, right? They got Terod Taylor back against the Dolphins. It didn't really help them. Then they have a bye. Uh, you know, do they have anything left in them for the second half of the season is a question. I mean, another question is, do you trust the Titans to cover a double-digit number without arguably their best offensive player in Derrick Henry? And I'm not so sure that I feel strongly about that either. Both of these teams bottom 10 in the league in yards per play on offense and defense. And it's very tempting, right? You'll look at this Titans team, all of the wins that they have stacked up, and you say, yeah, they should be able to easily beat up on a team like the Houston Texans. 
But it is worth noting this is not the Davis Mills Houston Texans where getting to double figures on the scoreboard was an accomplishment. This is at least the Houston Texans team that you know is capable of scoring a couple of touchdowns each game without it being a momentous occasion. I think that there's a potential here for the Texans to cover the big number, maybe even backdoor the Titans, who aren't great defensively by any stretch of the imagination, but it is, again, a game where I am happy to lay off. I don't like the idea of laying such a big number in the NFL in any capacity. I mean, the numbers show that some of these do indeed hit at a decent clip, but I think a division underdog here in Houston could very well have some life. Numbers like the Texans, Hart likes the Titans. Sorry, numbers like the Titans, Hart likes the Texans. I completely switched that around. These alliterative division rivals screw me up here on the GBI show. But, uh, you know, it's a game that, I'm again, I'm happy to stay away from. I think that we could very well see this game land right in that 10 to 13 range. And uh, I don't think that there's a ton of value either way. So, folks, that is halftime here on the GBI show. And, of course, at halftime, we want to remind you to check out fine folks at Caesars Sportsbook. Use promo code GBI bonus when signing up at Caesars Sportsbook. That is GBI bonus at Caesars Sportsbook. Get a matched bet on your first wager up to $1,001. So if you bet $1,001, for example, on your first bet at Caesars, they will hand you $1,001 in free bets, win or lose. And then, of course, if you win your bets, you get your money back, you get your profits, all that fun stuff over at Caesar Sportsbook when you use the code GBI bonus. Support the people who support the GBI show. Why don't you? Next up, here in the second half of our Week 11 preview, of course, it's hard, right? There's 15 games, so it's you know there's not an even number to do halftime with, but whatever. Here in the second half of the GBI show, Packers-Vikings will start us off, and I am psyched for this game. Packers, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, total 48. And, you know, we gave it out on the website, ATS.io, on Monday. I'm hitting half the NFL schedule on Mondays at this point, uh, just to get you guys the earliest numbers that I can. And it was 49 at that point. I recommended the under. And I think that the under is still probably the way to go in this game. The Packers, of course, beating the Seahawks last week, 17-0. Vikings beating the Chargers last week, I believe it was 27 20 and you know we think about the green bay packers right and we think about a team that loves to air it out aaron Rodgers, a lot of flash Devonte adams putting up big numbers but statistically speaking the green bay packers have not been a juggernaut offensively by any stretch of the imagination they're tied for 17th in the nfl in yards per play minnesota is 15th both of these teams rank highly in terms of their yards per play allowed and what does that mean well, in terms of the game script here, in terms of the game style for both of these teams, it means you're going to have defenses that make you put together longer drives. These teams don't give up quite the same amount of chunk plays as a lot of teams in the NFL, and that means you're going to be eating clock in order to score points. Also working in the favor of the under here, Aaron Jones, doubtful with an MCL sprain. Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard are questionable coming into the game. They will probably go. But it's a game where I think the defenses have the upper hand. Packers defense, by the way, has been propelling them in a major way. Over the last couple of weeks, they have given up a combined 13 points 
facing Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. So I think that the Packers defense, the best unit right now in this game, despite the fact that you've got some star power offensively on both sides of the ball. I think the Packers offense a little overrated heading into the second half of the season. I think that we see not a low scoring game, but another one of those Green Bay games where they win somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 to 10, 24 to 17. They've kind of made a habit of that, right? We saw that against the Washington football team, against the Chicago Bears. I think we see a similar situation. I would lean toward the under. Now it's 48. We had said 49 at the beginning of the week, but either way, I think that the under would be the best play coming into this matchup. Now let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, who were very disappointing last week against the Miami Dolphins. They're five-point favorites taking on the Chicago Bears. Total in the game, 45. Uh, The Bears coming off of their bye week. But the question for me is, is that going to do anything for a Bears team that was so bad offensively before the bye week? Uh, Chicago this season really struggled moving the ball, right? Right at the bottom of the league in terms of their yards per play offensively. And you take on a Baltimore team now that they took a pretty significant punch in the mouth last week from that Miami Dolphins team, right? That is an embarrassing loss for a team led by somebody like Lamar Jackson, who always gets the MVP love and things like that. We already know my opinion on Lamar Jackson. I think he's played really well this season, but I think, you know, when you get to big games, I throw the F word around a lot with him. I'm not talking about anything problematic. I'm talking about the word fraud. But I think that you get to a spot here with Lamar Jackson where this is the kind of game he probably does pretty well. He's facing a pretty banged-up pass rush in Chicago, right? Khalil Mack dealing with a foot injury. Akeem Hicks, a mainstay on the injury report this season for Chicago. And Baltimore, listen, they're a top-eight team in terms of their yards per play. They're a team that they kind of have to win with their offense because they are Second worst in the NFL in yards per play allowed. I think this is a game where Baltimore is going to play well on the offensive side of the ball. I think they respond positively to an embarrassing loss last week. And I just don't think that the Bears have, at this point in time, the firepower to keep up with this Baltimore team. I would lean toward the Ravens at minus five. I'd like to see where the number goes as we get closer to kickoff before locking anything in. If I can get four or less, I think it would be an actual wager on my part. But I think that uh, it's a situation where the Ravens certainly better. The numbers do favor them. But I think that uh, on the road, you know, it is probably better to hold off for the best number you can get. By the way, Chicago does play on Thanksgiving uh, next Thursday as they take on the Detroit Lions on the road. The annual early game between the Lions and I feel like often it's been the Bears as of late, and it has been just an unwatchable football game. But uh, that is what we will get on Thanksgiving. So get your wine, get your uh, apple cider mimosas ready for what should be just an abysmal football game between those two teams. Next up, we'll talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, a one-point favorite, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, total 50 and a half. Bengals coming off the bye after getting trounced by the Cleveland Browns prior to their bye week. Raiders, they wish they had a bye last week. They got crushed by the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's a game where I lean toward the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals in this contest as I have my uh, AFC North 
notes mixed up over here, but uh, I do lean toward the Bengals in this game. They are tied for fourth in the league in yards per play. Raiders slightly better defensively, but the problem for the Raiders as of late has been their offense. Last two games, they have averaged 15 points a game against the Giants and the Chiefs. Now, we all know the Chiefs' defense has struggled in a huge way this season, so it is super problematic if you are struggling the way that the Raiders did last week against the Kansas City defense. But the Bengals, they have shown a tendency to struggle on the road. We saw it against the Jets. Uh, we saw it against Chicago early in the season. But I think that this is a huge game for them as they are kind of starting to fall out of it in the uh, AFC North race. Cannot afford to lose this game against the Raiders team that has really fallen off on the offensive side post-Henry Ruggs. I mean, listen, they did the right thing getting rid of him, but the offense has certainly factually taken a step back over these last couple of weeks. I would lean the Bengals just because we know what we're getting out of them offensively. The Raiders prove that their defense, while in terms of their yards per play output, pretty good. They are, are still some holes in that Las Vegas defense that I think that the Bengals can take advantage of this week. Uh, the Raiders, by the way, they also have a Thanksgiving game coming up. They will play in Dallas against the Cowboys. Now let's move on to a game that I am super excited about in the NFC West. Cardinals minus two taking on Seahawks, total 48 and a half. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, both questionable for this week, but it is a lot more likely that they play in this game than uh, than the chances that they had of playing against Carolina. It was almost more of a load management situation from what you read uh, heading into that Carolina game where they were like, look, we don't need this game nearly as much as we need the next one. And it was almost more of a precautionary situation. But uh, sitting them out, they should play this week. Of course, Russell Wilson will be back for the Seahawks. He was shut out last week against the Green Bay Packers. And... You know, I lean toward the Cardinals here. They're going into their bye week, and they really have a chance to kind of knock the Seahawks out of contention for the division if uh, if they get the win here. I think we see Kyler Murray come out, and as long as he doesn't have that horrible game like Dak Prescott did against the Broncos, I think that the Cardinals should be able to come away with a win here. By the way, DK Metcalf and Alex Collins questionable for a Seahawks team that really has not looked great offensively. I mean, of course, Geno Smith was kind of an anchor around their neck, but then Russell Wilson comes back and it doesn't look any better for Seattle. I think that is a concern. And I think that the Cardinals are a team that has been excellent on the road so far this season. I believe 5-0 and on the road to this point in the year. They have looked incredible away from Arizona on the season. I think that continues and I think that the Cardinals should be able to pick up a win. Uh, that would be my play in that game. Now, we got a few games left to go here, three to be exact, on the Week 11 edition of the GBI Show. And we will start with the final Sunday afternoon game on the Week 11 slate. I'm talking Cowboys-Chiefs. Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point dogs taking on the Chiefs. Total 56-and-a-half. Uh, both of these teams coming off of blowout wins over their opponents last week. Cowboys crush the Falcons, Chiefs blowing out the Raiders in Las Vegas. Here's the deal with this game. Neither of these teams particularly impressive defensively. We both we know that both are capable of great things on the offensive side of the ball. 
I think it's the consistency of the Dallas Cowboys offense, with the exception of that one hiccup against the Denver Broncos that has me leaning in their direction for this game. Um, You know, Kansas City looked great last week against the Raiders. The problem is they haven't looked great for a lot of the season outside of that, right? Really struggled against Green Bay, struggled against the Giants the week before that. Both of those games were at home. So I'm not super keen on, you know, just because the Chiefs are at home and look good last week that we can count on that again in this contest. I also think that the Cowboys present kind of a tough matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You have a Cowboys team that has some weapons in the running game. Pollard and Elliott, both of them together, should be able to string together a nice performance against the Chiefs team that has consistently been at or near the bottom of the league in yards per carry allowed throughout the season. And then, of course, you add on the Dak Prescott factor. Michael Gallup is back. I really like this Cowboys offense when Gallup is available for them, which he is now. I think that's going to be significant. And I think that I would lean toward the Cowboys winning this game outright. We have seen them beat the uh, Los Angeles Chargers on the road, an AFC West opponent earlier this season. I think they can very well do it again here. By the way, the Cowboys, with just one loss against the spread this season, that coming against the Broncos in that first game back for Dak Prescott after his ankle injury, and they bounced right back as uh, TJ Calkins and I predicted that they would on the ATS YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not already. I think that the Cowboys could very well win this game outright as well. Of course, they have Thanksgiving to look forward to themselves whereas the Chiefs go on the bye. We'll see how that affects things. Of course, we know historically Andy Reid teams have done well after the bye, but uh, I think that the Cowboys probably the play here in this contest, even if they are not quite getting the key number of three points against the spread coming in. Now, we got two games left to go on the GBI show, and we'll focus on Sunday night football next. We are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Five-and-a-half-point underdogs taking on the L.A. Chargers. Total 47 for this game, and it's one where the Steelers, of course, they get a lot of scorn for the way that they played last week. Losing, well, not losing, but losing against the spread, it felt like a loss as well against the Detroit Lions, right? They tied them, and that is a problem when you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're trying to hang around in the race in the AFC North. And, uh, you know, that's a game that you need to win if you want to make up some ground on the Baltimore Ravens. They didn't do that, and that's an issue. I also think that the Chargers, they've had their share of issues as well, right? They've lost some home games this season. They lost a couple of weeks ago to the Patriots at home. Last week, they lose to the Vikings. I don't like the idea of playing either of these teams. If I had to make a selection in this game, uh, fortunately, I do not. I would lean toward the under 47 in this matchup. The status of Roethlisberger is still up in the air with the whole illness situation. Um, And then, of course, for the Chargers, look, it just hasn't been as good as it was last year offensively. Uh, Just factually, it hasn't. Yeah, the coaching, you know, you could say that's been upgraded with Anthony Lingon, and I get that. But it hasn't resulted in a real step forward for Justin Herbert this season And, you know, I just I don't like either of these offenses much at all. I think that the Steelers defense, probably the best unit coming into this game out of any of the uh, the main four units for this, these two teams. Um, 
but you know, two middle of the pack teams, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think that this game is going to be much better than what we saw last week between the Steelers and the Lions in terms of a quality uh, issue. I think that you know nobody's going to be worse than the Detroit Lions. That's just a fact. But I don't think that we see a particularly explosive game on either side. Um, again, the under 47 would be the way I would went. I would go if I had to play it. But I am happy to stay away from these two. I mean, to me, this is like number 16 versus number 17 in the NFL right now. My power rankings. Like, I just don't feel very strongly, positively or negatively about either of these teams. Finally, let's talk Monday Night Football here on the GBI show. We are talking about the New York Giants taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Giants, 11-point underdogs on Sunday. I'm sorry, on Monday taking on the Bucs, uh, total 49 and a half. Giants coming off of their bye, right? And the week before that, they got a nice win at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucs, meanwhile, last week, they were beaten outright by the Washington football team. Pretty embarrassing, right? It was a rematch of uh, their postseason game from a year ago in the wild card round. And the football team, they turned the tables on Tampa Bay, beat them by double digits last week. I don't like what I've seen from the Giants, despite the fact that the results have been a little better. I think that they need to be contextualized a little bit, right? They lose 20 to 17 to the Chiefs a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football, and everybody's like, yeah, it's a moral victory. They hung in there with the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have been horrendous, really on both sides of the ball, except for last week against the Raiders, right? I mean, they put up 17 points against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and yeah, sure, you held Patrick Mahomes to 20 points, but they were bailed out by a ton of mistakes. Uh, they had that tip ball interception on the goal line for that game. I mean, not, not a super impressive performance, even if you can chalk it up as a moral victory. And then you have the game against the Raiders, who, as I mentioned, their offense has just completely fallen off the cliff based off of the circumstances surrounding them. I don't think that the Giants are as good as they've looked over these last couple of weeks. And yes, they'll get Saquon Barkley potentially back for the Giants this week. But, um, you know, for me, I just think it's a get-right spot for the Bucs. And, uh, you know, the Bucs, of course, now dealing with their own controversy with uh, Antonio Brown forging a vaccination card to get around the league's health and safety protocols. Um, now there's word that Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's doctor to the stars or whatever he is, um, that he's involved. And, of course, after the Julian Edelman situation with Guerrero, I am shocked to find out that Alex Guerrero is uh, is moving afoul of NFL rules. But uh, here we are once again, potentially, allegedly, for whatever that's worth. Um, but I think it's a get-right spot for Tampa Bay, right? They've been really good at home this season. They have just trounced teams on their home field, with the exception of the Cowboys, who they beat by two. Uh, every other game they've played at home this season has been a three-possession victory. And against the Giants team, who I think is a little bit overrated based on their performance over the last few weeks, I could see another one of those three-possession victories for the Bucs. Um, I don't know if I like the idea of playing a double-digit favorite, especially on Monday night. Monday nights tend to get a little weird. It's, you know, it's the late start to the week. Teams aren't really in their uh, circadian rhythm as they get into those games. Some of them unnecessarily close, even when they're supposed to be mismatches. Um, I don't like the idea of playing the sides here. Um, I have a slight lean to the over, but 
you know, as a Giants fan, I'm just going to be watching and covering my eyes and expecting the worst as uh, this is not a Super Bowl started by Eli Manning. So I don't have a lot of trust in the Giants to cover the number against Tom Brady on Monday night. Folks, that is your look at week 11 of the NFL season from a betting perspective here on the GBI show. I want to thank everybody who tuned in live on YouTube and Twitter on the ATS platforms there. Uh, Anybody who is listening on demand on those platforms, anybody who's listening on demand on the podcast feed, if you have not already, subscribe to the ATS.io podcast feed. You get the GBI show every week. Uh, After football season, we're, who knows, maybe a basketball show with yours truly will be in the works. We'll figure it out as we go along. But subscribe, leave a nice little uh, five-star rating if you're so inclined, leave a nice little review that says that, uh, you're glad that you can listen to me without having to see my fat face and many chins. I would appreciate that. But that is your look at week 11. Of course, download the ATS app, subscribe to the podcast feed. We will be back next week with week 12 of the NFL season. And this is where it starts to get depressing, right? Because now you start to realize, all right, we got like two months of this left. We really got to enjoy this while we can. And every week that goes by, you realize you're just a little bit closer to a long period of time without being able to watch Red Zone on Sundays. But we will hold you over. Week 12 preview coming next week. Until then, check out ATS.io, written previews of every NFL game. TJ Calkins has his UFC previews for the weekend. Uh, you'll get tennis from the ATP Finals from yours truly. TJ and I both covering uh, the NBA as well. College football and hoops also represented on the site. Until next time, Jay Sanon saying see you later. Thank you for tuning into the GBI show, and we will see you a week from now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.